This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 162. This week, Alex and Charlotte chat about their trips to Slovenia, comparing the lively capital to the country's rural landscapes and restaurants. They explore field-to-fork cooking, orange wines and herb-infused spirits, as well as the influence of neighbouring Italy on Slovenia's cuisine. Okay, so Slovenia. What do we know about Slovenia? Well, it's got a very small population. It's about 2 million when you think that London is 9 million. That's pretty small. (laughs) And... I think what's most unique about it is its location because it's in between Italy, Austria, Hungary and Croatia. So it's got lots of influence in that respect. Uh, I first went about nearly 20 years ago. Where, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't realise. On it a was... family holiday because our parents always took us to really b- bizarre at the time places and no one had heard of it then. It yeah, was... even now when I said I've been people... People are like, Ljubljana. It's something to do with the, the name, both, both of Ljubljana and Slovenia yeah. sound, sound quite different yeah. to other places in that area. Uh, and it actually only stopped becoming part of what was then Yugoslavia in 1991, I think. So it's quite a, a new place yeah. to go to. Uh, I think you mainly focused on Ljubljana. The I did, yes. Yeah, so... Um, I definitely want to explore the countryside a bit more, and you're going to talk about that, aren't you? But um, yeah, I went to Ljubljana uh, a couple of months ago for an olive uh, trip, okay. which is lovely, uh, very lucky. And um, I wrote a weekender, uh, which is coming out in the September issue, okay. I think. But my guide is online as well, so if anyone wants to check that out, do. Um, but it was such a, um, as you say, quite... Um, not unknown, but people don't necessarily go to it like they would to like Rome or Paris. Yes. Or, um, but it's one of the most beautiful little cities yeah. um, I've been to, and crazy clean, very no clean. Rubbish, yeah. There? So they they were the green capital of Europe, I think. Europe in 2016. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, and there's, there's a lot of focus on sustainability and green, but even green in both senses because it's so lush and yeah. green. And you get you can go up to the castle, you can climb. Do you climb the tower? I didn't. I'm not a big fan of climbing. No. Okay. <laughs> well, it wasn't that high, but um, when you looked at the city from like from the top of the tower, you could see the whole city, and mm. it was incredible how green it was mm. and how you were saying to the population mm. how few buildings there were in yeah. the city and there's a huge park in the middle of the city that you can get lost in it's got forests and then a bit of more like a manicure garden kind of area but um on to the food yes uh, so I actually thought uh I was really pleasantly surprised again by the food because sometimes people say those countries which is I'm not saying I think this, but people think that those countries are just all about like sausages and like hearty, like sauerkraut and Mm. things like that. But the food scene is incredible, especially Mm. in the past few years. I think it's really, really thrived. And there's some really great bistros from really young chefs who are doing fabulous things. So we we went to one called Monstera, which um, opened a few years ago. And that's kind of the the place of the moment in terms of dine. You know, there's a lot of uh, 
restaurants that are opening in London over the past few years that are between fine dining and casual, mm. uh, which I love. Um, and they that's owned by a chef called Binevolkik. Uh, kind of some great pronunciations here, I, I think. Um, <laughs> and they he focuses on Slovenian produce um, and he has an amazing tasting menu and it's set menu each night, but you can ask if you're vegan or they're really good at catering to vegans, vegetarians, gluten-free, etc. Mm. Um, and we had an amazing succession of dishes, including like grilled asparagus on goat's cheese spuma with bee pollen, panna cotta, and lamb shoulder. That was accompanied by like this wispy, these wispy wild hops. Um, and then these like cig- these phyllo cigarettes stuffed with uh, goat's cheese and things. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, the dessert was amazing. It was the star anise meringue with fresh strawberries and baked white chocolate crumbs, which was incredible. So there's a real commitment to like the produce yes. and um, stuff. I noticed that when when I've been three times and it's, that's always been a constant and it's almost second nature, I think, to Slovenians. It, they didn't really advertise the facts when I was there. No. It's just taken as standard, whereas... Over here, that would be a big selling point. Mm-hmm. You know, we are farm to fork, whereas there it's just, well, yeah, what else yeah. would we be? Because I, I went on a, a, a tour of the city and with um, a Slovenian man and he said that everybody grows their own produce because they've got so much space as well. Yes. So everyone grows tomatoes, everyone grows like courgettes. Everyone, and yeah. so they think if they're eating out, then obviously they expect it to be very local yeah like homegrown yeah you went to some amazing places outside of Ljubljana didn't you yes we um we did a road trip around Slovenia sometimes crossing into Italy because it's literally next yeah. door <laughs> um and I found the same thing uh, a lot of um, local herbs being used. There was one place we went to, which was in the Vipava Valley, which is a great place to go on holiday. Just You could just go there and have a great time. Uh, one of the restaurants that we went to was called Majorija. Uh, it was a restaurant with rooms just outside a village called Slap. Great. It was great, great. Name. Um, and within a kilometre radius of that restaurant, you could pick more than 40 different herbs. Wow. And they made um, a basil liqueur from five different types of basil. Amazing. Most of us can probably only name one type of basil. And they, the herbs and flowers would mould the menu instead of just being accompaniments or garnishes. So we had things like dandelion leaves that were fried in a tempura batter um, that came with wildflower honey. We had chives that were served whole, you know, chives with this this sort of pretty flower. Mm -hmm. It looks a bit like a lollipop. They were served whole and they're very bitter. Uh, So that that added a different element on a plate. And uh, for dessert, I think we we had sage sorbet with sorrel. So the really sorrel is very citrusy. So the, the, I've never had sage sorbet before. Um, so they, they really do put it at the centre of the meal as opposed to just being a side. Uh, we also had things like mutton rolled in juniper and coffee and, and the, oh, wow. the mutton from where you were sitting, you could see the mountainside that it once roamed on. <laughs> so it was sometimes a bit too close for comfort. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Good to know where it's coming from, then. Yes, yeah. Uh, and they had rooms there which were underneath their herb garden. 
So there was interesting. How does that work? Rooms. So oh, they had okay. sort of massive Velux windows at ground level. So it wasn't like a cave or anything. Yeah. <laughs> and every room was herb themed. So you'd have Aww. a green basil room or a purple lavender room. So they were really into the herbs, as you can guess. It, but it was the same wherever we went. There was um, another place we went in a village called, oh, I'm going to have to spell it, G-O-R-J-U-S-E. Gorgeous, maybe? Gorgeous. <laughs> Gorgeous, yeah. <laughs> which is a 30-minute drive from Lake Bled, which is probably the oh. most famous part of Slovenia, Lake Bled. Yeah. Is, and is one of the most stunning places I've ever Extremely been. Extremely romantic. It's very ethereal. Exactly. This place is just 30 minutes from there. And uh, we stayed in a farmstead there, which I'd really, really recommend uh, in, instead of staying in a big hotel. Mm. You can stay in a farmstead or a homestead and they're run by locals and they're usually very ba- basic, so don't expect a telly even. But, <laughs> you don't um, need a telly when you've got no, all of that no, countryside. Was, <laughs> this place was amazing because uh, it was like a log cabin really and there was donkey paddock outside and um, an alpine theme throughout. And we arrived and there was this one bloke who was running it. And for dinner, we were expecting, I don't know, a couple of slices of ham or something. (laughs) And he made the most astonishing and memorable feast for us. Uh, It was, I'll just tell you some of the stuff we had. We had um, home-smoked trout with horseradish bread sauce, um, soup made from mushrooms that he'd foraged that day in the the forest outside, wild dandelion salad. They're they're big into their dandelions. Yeah. Local olive oil, homemade strukli, which is rolled like stromboli, and it's layers of soft pastry and cream cheese, which you probably try. Lamb chops with almonds, locally shot deer, slow cooked wow. beef tomatoes, and that was for two of us. Gosh! And this this guy cooked the whole thing, and we were sat there for about three hours. That's unbelievable. That's a, that's the standard when you stay at these homesteads. Yeah. So I would, I would really, really recommend definitely. doing that. As when I go back, I definitely will. Yeah, because I think um, they do a really good job of, you know, knowing what they're good at. And mm. because they've got this, um, it's just like the, almost like agritourism, isn't it? Mm. Um, rather than these big, because there aren't that many swanky hotels. There's some no. nice boutique hotels in Ljubljana, but I think you're better off kind of going for those because they really like make the most of, like their surroundings don't they because if you think about the position between like the Alps and the Adriatic and that just like lends itself to like all the local cuisine and Mm. the produce that they have um and like I I just love the like real variety of like culinary influences they had and Mm. what they do with that produce as well and a really great place to see this all come together is I don't know whether it was even started because I think it was quite recently it started when you were there but um on a Friday in Ljubljana in the main square, Pogaka Square, um, they have a thing called Open Kitchen Market mm. and it's got a real like festival kind of atmosphere and you can go and graze on dishes and dr- drinks from all different um, farms or gourmet restaurants. Everyone kind of comes together. Um, and we tried like the amazing, because uh, Slovenia is famous for its pumpkin seed oil. Did you try that? That was delicious. Really, really vibrant and quite like toasty. Um, And then you had the olive oil as well. So it was always on every table. You could choose between your olive oil and your pumpkin seed oil. And I just thought that was a really nice, like little microcosm of um, the different influences. Um, Right. 
in the same vein, um, well, I, the thing that I remember most from that market was Kaiser Schmarm. <laughs> oh, the uh, pancake. The Austrian stuff. pancake. Yes. Which Austria, oh, you did course. go. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, but it was in its infancy when we went. Yeah. But still, there was over 50 stalls when we went. But that's the thing that's stuck in my mind, the shredded pancakes. Yeah, because... Actually, I I met somebody whose husband uh, runs that stall because oh. um, they've got like a farmstead that her family owned little hotel outside of Ljubljana. Um, and I was quite surprised by, yeah, everybody goes. Apparently, it's like even though it's an Austrian dish, yeah. it, she said, oh, that is something you need to to eat when you're in Slovenia. Yeah. And I love that how it's like, it's like when you have curry in like on Brick Lane in yes. London. Yeah, it's all the must. influences, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it's nice. I didn't know you tried that. Yes, I did. I, I remember it five years on. So it must have been yeah, good. Yeah, it must have been good. Yeah, I remember it two months on. <laughs> um, and something else we tried, which I thought was really interesting, is like you get to try all of the local gins and things. And we had a really nice uh, gin called Broken Bones, which is quite famous. I think it's won a quite a few awards over there. And that was distilled with linden flowers and rosehip from Slovenia's cast region. Oh, wow. So um, they do that a lot of that as well, don't they? Distilling yes, spirits. Making and, their own. Yeah. We, we had the their basil liquor that I mentioned, which was extremely hardcore and made one of us quite heady. <laughs> um, apart from that, though, I think the, the main memories were, were the wine. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially at a place called Gotche, which is in the Vipava Valley. And I, I would really recommend it. It's such a tiny place. It's all winding streets, stone houses, painted shutters, quite Italianate. And you've got the Dolomites in the background. Wow. Yeah. So it's really picturesque. And there's a, um, a house and cellar there called Ketch Kotova. All of this is on <laughs> olivemagazine.com and our Slovenian guide. And uh, there's a family there called the Mezesnel family, and they've been making wine there since forever. And their cellar is 700 years old, and there's 75 wine cellars in Gotche, which is the tiny, tiny, tiny place. So it's their bread and butter, really. And they make. Um, you can just pop in. It's very informal. You can pop in and visit this house and cellar, and they'll show you around. And you can try their Ribola, their Pinella, their Cabernet Sauvignons. Um, and I think the most memorable thing for us was their dessert wine. It was 12 years old, and it tasted of um, sort of smoky prunes. Mm. And the the guy showing us around told us that it tasted like that because his neighbour had a broken chimney at the time. Really? And all the um, sort of wood, wood fire smoke yeah. came in and saturated his cellar and it gave the dessert wine a smoky oh, characteristic very unique yeah, if fine. anything yeah this is, <laughs> turn this a negative works. into a positive yeah that that was that was a phantom we took some of that home did you try many orange wines or yeah so we we did try quite a lot of orange i really liked the orange wine there i think they so we'd heard that um orange wine was like the thing to drink there but actually i found out from a wine bar that that was just a lot of wine sellers in a particular region of Slovenia um, decided to make something unique and to get them on the map and right. things. And so they were like, right, let's make orange wine our, our thing. thing yeah. um, but for people who don't know what that is, what, what what is orange wine? What does it taste like generally? It's um, They really, really vary um, because you've got the like, you can get like really minerally ones, but also you can get 
more raisiny ones. But mm. often, like, I don't like to say that it's like rosé because people say, oh, it's similar to rosé. But um, it's a lot more, often you can get more funky ones. They have a lot of natural orange wines. So you can get like quite that farmyardy taste. Mm. Um, but we had a really nice, very light, minerally one, Malvasia one, which was lovely, at a place called Tabar. Um which specializes in Slovenian small plates and they have a like really really impressive orange wine list so if you want to to go and try some Slovenian wines you should just go there and just literally work your way through the menu which which we did <laughs> um and there's another great bar which is quite new again called Sukleje and they offer 200 bottles from Slovenia wow. I think around 200 bottles from Slovenia which as they don't export loads of wine. I've I've seen it crop up in London on quite a few menus, Slovenian wine recently. Um and I've I've always really liked it um before going there. Um and they the grapes like include like fruity Sauvignon Blanc from the northeast and then you've got the southwest rounded and woody Rebola Epoca we had, which was really delicious. And then they have um their own vineyard actually in the southeast, um, which I'd like to visit. We didn't get a chance to. Um, but that they had a really nice blue Frankish, which was bursting with like leathery notes and red current aromas and so there's just there's so much to try um so yeah I definitely had a sore head for quite a lot of the trip <laughs> but it was definitely all in the name of tasting and journalism. being professional yes <laughs> um but something else that I noted that we've we've actually touched on a lot is um the influence from neighboring uh, Italy mm. because I think again if you think of Slovenia I think what maybe come to mind is the more Alpine Eastern European mm. cuisine, mm. whereas it's got a small but um, very it's still very much there border with Italy. We had some of like the best gelato I've ever had in Slovenia, yeah. which we were so surprised about because um, I've been to Italy like a lot of times, so many times, and had amazing gelato but we went to a shop called Vigo which has queues going all the oh, way to I the famous there. team yes, yeah I isn't it that. it's amazing yeah. and um we had a really great their their um, signature one is called the Vigo and it has it's like a combination of fresh mascarpone with chocolate hazelnuts and Nutella which was oh, amazing but also we had a vegan gelato which yeah. was because I was the person I was traveling with was a vegan yeah. And um, I actually preferred the vegan one to the mm. not vegan one. And it was an amazing rich dark chocolate because often you can get vegan like dark chocolate ice cream. And it was laced with like uh, this really aromatic dried pieces of orange, which is just a really nice grown up addition. Wow. Yeah. Stick around to hear even more reasons to eat and drink your way around Slovenia. Did you try much like Italian style food um well i know you tried you tried some good pizzas didn't you oh yeah i think i think perhaps it's more more evident in ljubljana um we did drive through italy three times to get to one restaurant which um you've you've probably heard of it hissa franco oh yes uh, which which is um, is that owned by the 
Anna. Anna Ross. Yes. 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 Uh, its head chef is Anna Ross. And she was named world's best female chef in 2017 by the world's 50 best restaurants academy. Maybe that means she's the world's best chef. Full stop. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll go into that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tisa Franco is right on the Italian border. So it's impossible not to be influenced by oh, it. Wow. It's a really... Um, it's a really unique place. It's got rich red wall, red walls, Persian rugs, antique furniture, a big birch tree in the middle. Oh, but it's also really uh, the food's very formal, but it's very informal place. There was a dog there when I went, and uh, some child running around. So it wasn't, you know, black tie no. type place, and it was it was just such inventive food. Um, Again, using things like wild herbs, flowers, nuts, mushrooms. They all came from within walking distance of the restaurant, which is literally plonked in the middle of a, of a forest. At least it feels like that. Oh, wow. To a visitor. Sounds like my kind of place. You're just in the middle of a forest. Um, you, you need a car to get there, really, I, th- I think. But perhaps there's another way. But um, Anna, her aim really is to cook and serve her ingredients on the same day that they're picked to wow. maintain freshness, obviously. Very hard um, to... That, keep that up yeah I, you'd have thought um but even the bread for example is made from fermented apples instead of yeast wow. because the fermented apples can be sourced locally whereas the yeast can't so she's really strict. that's exceptional commitment it isn't is it? an exceptional commitment i think it's just in her blood uh it has the sort of bitter tang of a sourdough and um, it's served with whipped butter, and it obviously it's delicious. Yes, but... anything butter related. Yeah, <laughs> butter always always adds something. Um, and the kind of food we had there, sort of these paper thin cheese wafers made from raw cow's milk, um, asparagus tempura with celery cream, um, colourful bowls of beetroot sunchokes, which I'm afraid I hadn't even sun heard chokes. of. No, before. I've never heard of. What are those? Slovenia. A, a, a regular salad ingredient over there, apparently. Right. Just something that grew I in the background. I didn't try that when I was there. Tiny meadow plants and, and snails and like a melting egg yolk. We had langoustines from the Slovenian coast. We had sheep cottage cheese. We had locally caught trout with pink grapefruit and salsify cream. Uh, we had roebuck that had just been shot. Wow. It was amazing. <laughs> we came, I think I put on it, I think it was nearly a stone in two weeks. Actually, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> because we ate, we ate, we were eating at places like this every day, yeah. twice a day. And you want to try uh, with the food whole like tasting this, menu. You want to try absolutely everything. Um, but yeah, she's she's big news now. So if you're visiting yeah, definitely. Sylvania and you're lucky enough to have a higher car, and a designated driver. Yes. Then Hisa Franco is, is an absolute must. And funnily enough, her parents own um, something called Nabessa, which is Slovenian for heaven, I think. And it, uh, you'd have loved it, Alex, because it was it's almost like a retreat. It's, I think, 900 metres above sea level. Yeah, 900 metres above sea level. You have to go up oh, this really windy, terrifying mountain road to get there. And it's sort of four modern chalets I guess on stilts with these massive windows that overlook this really steep valley and uh, glass fronted saunas oh wow that sounds like my capacity it's sort of extreme isolation in a way they they, their owners are on site there's no restaurant um, but there's this 24 hour pantry that you can just help yourself to anytime I can imagine that's very well stocked with yes 
as, as much as you want. And it's got things like um, local prosciutto and cheeses, bread, cake, fruit. I mean, what more do you need? Mm. Local, locally made beer, locally, they, their own red and white wine that they, they managed to make up in 900 metres above sea level. I, it's it's just like um, some kind of Zen retreat. Wow. It was quite spiritual, spiritual actually, being that high above everything. Yeah. It? it was silent. We couldn't. We all we could hear was a cuckoo, pretty much for the for three days that we were there. Gosh, it's amazing. But they are the parents of Anna, Anna. who owns Hisa Franco. Well, you can see how she has become like, the world's best yes, yeah, with that chef because that kind of yeah, can you imagine just like forage she's probably forage for stuff since she was yes. like born yes and they're, they're, it's very close to his franco so you could um you could even stay at nibeta and and maybe go to dinner at his franco maybe that's the the idea behind it yes oh yeah it's <laughs> funny that <laughs> um well i don't yeah i think we probably don't have lots of time left so um I can't recommend enough going to lovely. There, there is so much more that I haven't spoken about, like the, mm. the amazing pizza with um, a with Slovenian suckling pig, oh, like wow. on the top with porchetta oh, and posh everything. Pizza. Very posh, but um, still quite rustic, and the the environment's great. And um, yeah, it's like Neapolitan style, like with a blistered crust, and oh, I, I could talk about it for wow. ages. And then they have amazing like coffee bars because um, everybody where now has their little hipster coffee scene. But um, yeah, I was quite surprised to see it there. And they have an amazing bakery called uh, oh gosh, I've forgotten the name now, Picana Picana on Osen, I think. Um, and yeah, it. That's amazing for their local bread and they just make everything in front of you. And amazing brunch places. Like and also you can get you can get your sausage. You can get your famous <laughs> Slovenian sausage as well. So so do look at the guide online, both um my Ljubljana guide, um, which is on olivemagazine.com and Charlotte's rural Slovenia guide. Yeah. So they uh, pair quite nicely. Thank so you. yeah. And if anybody has any questions, then you can just let us know on Twitter yes. or uh, Facebook or Instagram. I think we should move there, Alex. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the city, you be the country. Yeah. We can visit each other. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can still pick up a copy of our July issue on the newsstand now or go and download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. Thank you.